Well, good morning. Welcome to Let's Open the Bible. You survived this week. We've come to Friday, and uh, we've got, I think, what is an exciting passage for you. My name is Russell Fox. If you're new to the program, I'm here with Gavin Pratt. Say good morning, Gavin. Good morning. Uh, and uh, we are going to look at, uh, we've been looking at Hebrews chapter 11, the Hall of Faith chapter. We've been talking about faith all week. Uh, yesterday we talked about Moses. We're going to talk about Moses a little bit more. So if you have your Bible, we're going to read verses 24 and 25. And uh, so I'm just going to read that and ask Gavin to pray. I like to hear Gavin pray. And uh, he just sounds so spiritual when you do that, Gavin. It's like <laughs> you know you the what, Lord, you love him or something. I love him. But anybody coming before his throne of grace and, uh, and just crying out to a God that loves you to do great things that cannot otherwise be done, that's a beautiful thing to hear. So Amen. I love listening to people pray. Uh, Interestingly enough, a little sidebar, uh, when, when I think we talked about this before, when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, he didn't say, ah, just whatever, say whatever. Right. Uh, he, he walks them through it. And I think there is a, there is a um, thoughtfulness um, to praying, to be guided biblically in how we pray. I, I think it's good to think about those things. Yeah. So let's, let, let's just, let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, you are good. You are God and there is no other. You are God and there is none like you. And if we just spent the rest of our lives praising you for being God, for being God, it would be right. And then to think that, that you have given the world your word uh, to know you. you. You could sit in, up in heaven and do as you please without, without revealing anything but, but nature to tell us who you are. But you have given us a love letter, your word to show us your work in redemptive history, and that's amazing. And then God, and, and, and we, would, we could praise you for that. And then God, you love a rebellious people enough to send your own son to die on a, a rugged cross to save us, to redeem for yourself a people, a, a royal priesthood. Words just fail. And so today I just want to begin by saying thank you. God, you are worthy of our praise. Because we've seen you act before, I now come again before your throne of grace and just ask that the words that we speak today, they would be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Man, that's great. Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verses 24 and 25, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Man, that's a mouthful. It is. And I just noticed something that I'd love to touch upon. Why does it say when he, had, when he was grown up? I think, it's, I think it's really interesting that maybe children are, are far more enticed by or maybe that it takes a certain level of spiritual maturity to reject the things of this world. Um, I mean, ultimately, we know that, that, that if we are of the flesh, we will not reject the things of the world. That, that's a spiritual accomplishment. And so uh, it, it does, I mean, it makes note in this passage that Moses grew up and rejected. Maybe um, that's an age of accountability type of thing. Maybe. Now, and that's a long conversation. We do not have the time to get into it now, but that's a, that is a great thought right there. Yeah, 
Um, because, you know, children, I mean, I, I actually wrote about this a little bit, is, you know, when you're a child, there are just certain limitations based on proximity. You can't get in your car and go to the next town if you don't like the town you live in. You're sort of stuck with where you are. Well, you're also born into your family. Right. I mean, Psalm choose. 139, and, and, and you know, uh, behavioral uh, psychologists will tell you that um, the most fundamental formative years of your life are early and you're mostly around your family parents was particularly at that time so yeah we're very much shaped by our environment at, uh, at a young age yeah and they say you know choose your friends wisely well <laughs> i grew up in a hud project yeah you know the people i lived with were who they were yeah there wasn't right. it's not like i had a selection process okay you're in you're out you're in you're right. out no we were just all there together right well, yeah, so I, I, I don't want to make too much of that, but I don't want to make too little of it. The, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And until he had grown up, he was called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated. Um, maybe just take a moment here to talk about the various verses and passages on suffering. You know, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, or more than this, we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope. Um, or it's been granted to us not only to believe, but also to suffer for his name's sake. Um, you know, do not be surprised when fiery trials come upon you to test you as if something strange were happening to you, but rejoice. And then, uh, you know, we've talked about this before, but often we're called to follow our Savior. Peter reminds us that he suffered, gave us an example to follow. And we don't seek suffering. I, I cannot emphasize that enough. We don't seek suffering. We seek to follow Christ. But the world was hostile towards him. And a servant is not greater than his master. And if you're passionate, if you are a passionate pursuer of Christ, it will cost you something. As, as David told Aruna when he was offering his threshing floor, he said, I will not give to God that which costs me nothing. Mm. And uh, and you have been bought. Your life has been paid for, and you are a follower of Christ. And it and it will cost you. It's Amen. the cost of discipleship. Yeah, I, I challenge people sometimes. You know, if your faith hasn't cost you something, you might not be doing it right. Like sometimes it'll cost you a relationship with somebody. You know, uh, sometimes it may be a parent uh, or a relative, somebody that you love. Yeah. You know, but that's exactly what Jesus said. Right. Right. I, I, there was a in in Moldova. There was a young man that I care about greatly, and if anybody presses me on it, I have not kept in touch with him as I, I should. But um, his name is Nick, and he on his 18th birthday, uh, I was talking to him about his faith, and he said, "Listen, if I follow Jesus, it will cost me my relationship with my mom. She'll she'll kick me out of the house, so it'll cost him his living place. It'll cost him his relationship with his brother. He'll have nothing more to do with me." And it would cost him his relationship with his friends. They 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 will leave him. Uh, I think I can't remember at this time if, if he was if he was seeing somebody. But it would have cost him. It cost everything that he was talking about. His entire life would he would have to give it up. And we prayed right then and there. And uh, and he looked up and he said, "Well, I have a brother now." And I, and uh, you know I looked back unfortunately with some skepticism in that moment. And ten years later, he's walking with Jesus, part of an actively a part of a church. He's a deacon in that church. Wow. Writes the newsletter like that was the moment. His 18th birthday was the moment he decided to follow Jesus and give up everything. And God has richly blessed him in in many ways since then. But he was willing to give up everything for Jesus. And and that's where Hebrews 11. I don't want to get too far away from the text. And Russ does a good job of keeping my nose in the in the Bible. 
Um, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Um, Christ is worth it to, yeah. to leave everything and, and to leave the palace, to leave the, the, the titles and, and the prestige of being the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, he was willing to give all of that up because the reproach of Christ was just better. So Moses didn't know the verse, but he lived it here. Uh, to gain the whole world, but to lose so, your soul. Right? What profit a man, yeah. absolutely. So, you know, he, he didn't know that passage. It, it had yet to be inspired. But, you know, he recognized that it wasn't worth it yeah. to gain the acclaim and lose right. eternity. Right. Well, and, and, and then the, the, this is the thing we really need to, to hammer home maybe for the rest of our time. But the acclaim, the titles, the treasure, all would, would be to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. Yeah. I have had my share of enjoyment of sin, but you know what I enjoy more than that? I enjoy the fact that Jesus loved me in spite of that. And that, yes, those, those times maybe get romanticized and talked about. But I have treasures in heaven because Christ died for me. And while there, some of us deal with this pull, we feel pulled in a direction. But they are fleeting pleasures. Yeah, so I, I would I would call those the indwelling sin. You know, Paul yeah. doesn't want to do them, but he, he 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 gets dragged down to it. Some people say that that is a pre-save Paul. I I say it is a post-save Paul because he says it is no longer I, but the sin that dwells in me. Right. So yeah. so, but but the church I think would benefit greatly. And if if you're listening today, maybe refocus. Sometimes when I'm I listen to the podcast and I'm driving, I lose focus. Maybe refocus. Church, if, if you're a member of a body of believers, let's just acknowledge that there is some fleeting pleasure of sin. Sometimes the church looks at people and goes, well, I don't know why they would do X, Y, or Z, whether it's, you know, sex, drugs, or rock and roll. And I say that a bit facetiously, but I don't understand because it's fun, because it's enjoyable. I mean, sin has, has captivated a lot of people because it's pleasurable. But this text today is screaming at us. It may be pleasurable, but it's fleeting. Mm. I mean, and, and the end is destruction. There are people that pursue sin, and it always leads to destruction. Yeah. If not in this life, there are some people that have gotten away with it, and I won't call out, gotten, you know, that have died with a decent reputation, and since it's comes out that they've absolutely made a train wreck of their life. And there are some people that, that you know, pass away in this life without without seeing much consequence of sin. There is, there's always a consequence of sin. There's always a consequence of sin, but much. Uh, but we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he's done to the body, whether good or evil. You know who, who modeled this fleeting pleasure of sin probably as well as anybody in Scripture is David with Bathsheba. You know, he, he sacrificed, he ultimately lost his kingship, his kingdom, um, initially because of the fleeting pleasure of sin and and then hit it of course and we know the story you know Nathan came to him and uh, but but in that moment the passion and the pursuit when that look became a linger and and so often it begins innocently you know uh, uh, unceremonially we sometimes give in to this fleeting pleasure of sin 
can I tell you the one that does it for me is Esau hmm. selling his birthright. Oh yeah, wow, for a bowl of soup. And and, and let's be, be clear, he he was hungry, not in the way that we're hungry, where we just shoot on down to McDonald's. But he, he I mean, but and there was some satisfaction, there was some pleasure, um, but but he gave up everything for that. Yeah. How devastating is that? Yeah. Well, no. No. See, I don't let him come too distant for me. I don't let him come too distant for me because I've got to remind myself that, that there is there is a temptation. And I think if I just give in, it, it you know, it, it'll satisfy me. Well, it never does. It's fleeting. You're ever chasing it. And Jesus is the, the, the self is insatiable. The self, you will never satisfy. It's that uh, what J.D. Rockefeller, you know, it's been attributed to so many people. I don't know who actually said it, but how much money is enough for one man? And he said, just a little bit more. Yeah, a dollar more than I have. Yeah, a little bit more. It's the self is insatiable. You'll never satisfy the flesh, but 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 God satisfies. Hmm. If if you take of that water, you will never thirst. If you eat of that bread, you will never be hungry. Yeah. And and how do I remind myself, man? You're chasing after, you know. My my people have committed two great evils. Uh, they have forsaken me, uh, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. You you you've created in yourself this cistern that doesn't hold water, and you've left God for it. Yeah, we we would say in the car business, we would say it's a dime holding up a dollar. Okay, you have to explain. He so, uses these these terms, and I have no idea what you're talking about. We, we chase the dime and lose the dollar. Yeah, you know, and so we we chase this fleeting pleasure and and lose the pursuit of of holiness. You know, the presence of Christ, that the water that truly satisfies, the bread that that truly satisfies the hunger, and we fall we fall for the 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 bait and switch of sin, which leads to. Uh, Conviction and condemnation. Yeah, and, and and I don't. I'm trying to look up quickly a, a C.S. Lewis quote, but uh, I'll give you the kind of the paraphrased version of it. That it's not that our passions are too strong, but that they're too weak, um, and that we'll settle for playing in the mud because we cannot contemplate a vacation at the beach, mm. and. When we settle for sin, we're settling for playing in the mud, not because God is not pleasurable, because we cannot contemplate it, because we cannot picture it, because we have not experienced it. And so we'll settle for, for sin, settle for, for things that are, that are destructive instead of pursuing. I mean, just let's, let's be voracious. Let's be just, I mean, let's, let's go after God with it because he, he's pleasurable. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Um, there are pleasures uh, at his right hand. I mean, joy forevermore. So, Amen. Amen. Well, this has been a great week. I've enjoyed our discussion on faith. And uh, thank you for those that have listened to this. And, uh, you know, again, as we've said all through this, we're going to leave a lot of meat on the bones. And I hope that you'll take this weekend and just kind of dig into uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, just sit with that chapter. Such a great chapter. Such an encouraging chapter. Uh, and, uh, you know, come back Monday morning. We'll, we'll uh, have some more discussions as, as we open the Bible on Monday morning, and I hope that you'll join us then. Until then, have a great and blessed weekend.